You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is beloved friend and co-host, Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, Space Cadet. I got a question for you. What is your favorite score, not soundtrack, but score or theme music, for a sci-fi or fantasy film or series, uh, the Return of the King soundtrack. So, so the 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 music from the Lord of the Rings or just the Return of the King in general? Wait, when you I say mean, Return of the King, do you mean the Rankin Bass Return of the King, or do you mean the Peter Jackson Return of the King? <laughs> Peter Jackson Return of the King, and mainly because Billy Boyd as Pippin sings his song in it, um, which is just a beautiful song, and he performs it beautifully. Um, I like the music from the entire trilogy, but I think if I had to pick one, that would be my favorite. Okay, that's a it's a good piece. Uh, I think that that score in general is very strong, strong enough so that I was excited to hear it when I started watching The Hobbit. And then I actually started watching <laughs> The Hobbit and then the all excitement drained away and I fell asleep, as okay. I said multiple times. So then, what is your favorite score? What an unfair question to ask me, Ariel. I love Jeez, music. I know. Um, I okay, know. so if if I and I don't, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just because you play it doesn't mean you love it. Uh, no, I think my favorite, this is this is one of those questions where I think, and I think it's probably true for you too, Ariel, where depending on what day you get asked the question, you might have a different answer. Because obviously, yes. I mean, I love John Williams music, right? So I love, yes, yeah. I love like, I love Jaws. I love Star Wars, Raiders of Lost Ark, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He's done so much. Mm -hmm. I also love Danny Elfman's music. I love things like the music yeah. to Beetlejuice and uh, and things like that, or, or even Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like in going old school. But if I have to pick one kind of sci-fi or fantasy, I, I'm going to throw superheroes in there. The uh, the the score for the 1978 Superman movie. The bum, that's really bum, good. Bum, 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 yeah, bum. that still gets me pumped. Like so much so that when I heard it referenced in the Smallville show, I got choked up, which was ridiculous for me to get choked up while watching Smallville. But it was because I, and I think the first time they played it on that show, they had just one acoustic guitar plunking it out on what, on just a couple of strings. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was so powerful for me. So for me, music is one of those things that really connects me with material and, uh, yeah. and that's why I wanted to ask that question. Let me just mark that off my list because I uh, don't want to ask it twice. Well, if you ask me again, I might say like Bear McCreary or something like that since he did Lost and Outlander and Battlestar Galactica and all of that. It's a good answer. Stuff. It's a good answer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Ariel, you and I now live in a post-WandaVision world. I'm so sad. Yeah, no more no more new episodes of WandaVision coming out. And we're not going to spoil WandaVision here. We don't believe in that. Some people just don't have the time to watch things right when they come out. I know there were some people who were complaining about not being able to binge WandaVision. Well, now you can do that if you now have you Disney can. Plus. But personally, I really liked having that weekly thing to look forward to. Um Me too. and I and I thought the I thought the finale was amazing. I did as well. I I always have I don't know, a little bit of lackluster response to like um boss level fights and things like that. Sure. Um so I'm never I'm never I don't know, the the I, I enjoy the journey a lot more than I enjoy the culmination of the, the end of the journey, I, I guess I, I should say. I find this fascinating, Ariel, because you also really like kaiju movies. And that all that I is did. are just big, booming, I, booms, booms. But okay, but that's what I'm expecting out of it. Um, <laughs> no, I, also, I love the character development. I mean, if you really get into Godzilla's psyche. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen Godzilla on a couch before. I get it. No, mm -hmm. I, I, think, um, I think they did a pretty good job of balancing the... Uh, the super heroic shenanigans with uh, more dialogue, which kind of revealed things that were going on, but we don't want to give anything yes. away. No, uh, but I, I, I'm with you like spectacle stuff, especially spectacle stuff that is designed for the small screen sometimes has trouble living up to expectations. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like you can, you can get away with a lot of other stuff on a really big screen. Like you just expect it when you go to see something like Avengers or, you know, that sort of stuff. But I, I agree. I felt that 
the the action bits were the least interesting to me, but that's okay because there was so much other stuff that was really interesting to me. Um, not enough Cat Dennings, though. Never, never enough Cat Dennings. I um I happen to avoid most spoilers. I the only fan theories I I read were the ones I wanted to, and so I didn't really spoil anything for myself because they were just fan theories at the time. And mm-hmm. I will say that the end did not end the way I anticipated it to. And they tied up a few loose ends in a way that completely surprised me. So, And, and there is one major loose end that's still there, which I, I am looking forward to seeing come back around again yes. at some point. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I watched a lot of videos about fan theories, um, none of which ended up being right, at least not 100%. Some of them got bits of it but not Mm -hmm. most of it. Uh, But yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Thought that it was, I thought it ended the way it needed to mostly. And uh, (laughs) it makes me, it makes me look forward to Dr. Strange and Spider-Man a lot. Yeah. I think it is a really great introduction to phase four, phase four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something else I'm looking forward to. I think because I haven't finished reading the book is the Netflix series of the talisman. Yeah. So the talisman is, uh, is one of those books that, that Stephen King did that, um, is not a horror novel. It's, it's more of a fantasy. I mean, there's some scary stuff in there, but he also co-wrote it. So he co-wrote it with Peter Straub. Yes. But it's, it's, it's one of those where, again, it's not a, um, it's not an outright horror novel, right? It's not like, it mm-hmm. or the stand and it's uh got it's got a, at its heart a journey of a young boy trying to save his his mother uh by yeah. retrieving this legendary talisman but the thing that uh, also interests me is that the duffer brothers are involved with this and they're of course the the minds behind stranger things and you would think that like stranger things was so um felt so much like it in many ways, like the, mm-hmm. the, the presentation and the theming, it felt very much inspired by Stephen King. So this is kind of like going full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I, like Netflix has had some other really good King ish series. Lock and key is a, a great example because his son wrote that as a mm-hmm. the comic series, House um, on you know, Defer brought, House on Haunted Hill. So they've they've put out some really good King-inspired series already. The Duffer Brothers have done uh, great things with Stranger Things. Now that I have watched through it all, I really enjoy it. Oh, you finally watched first... it. Finally watched it. Had to get past those first two episodes. Eventually, I got my husband pulled in, and that's how I was able to make it through. Because it does get scary at points. But mm. I suspect that um, I am like a quarter of the way through The Talisman, and it's not a huge nostalgia train of a book. Right. Um, but Steven Spielberg and Duffer Brothers also, they both really play on nostalgia in the things that they do a lot of times. And so yeah. um, I'll be interested to see what they do with this. I, I think uh, I think it's at least fairly clear that the Duffer Brothers, at the very, very least, hold Stephen King's works in fairly high regard. So yes. my hope is that yes. that will translate to what we see on the screen. Now, something that I think is interesting, I'm not sure how I fully feel about it yet. Actually, I know how Mm -hmm. I feel about it. I'm not so sure about this. But we have learned (laughs) that there's going to be some pop-up Broadway theater performances. So in New York, 
some Broadway theaters are going to open for some very, very limited special performances as sort of a test run in the near future. Yeah, I think they are allowed to operate at 33% capacity uh, or with 100 people inside and 200 people outside. Now, they can go up if everybody has had vaccinations, but how are you going to get that proven? Or everybody has a negative COVID test. Yeah. Um, I don't remember which one. I I understand we both have friends in New York who who live through Broadway. That's that's their job. Um, and, and so I'm excited that they might start being able to get back to work, but I... You know, I am still very hesitant about going out and doing things myself. Of course, I'm not vaccinated, so. Yeah, well, and it's it, it, and it's just one of those things where, like, the, the health officials are still warning us, right? They're still saying, mm-hmm. please, 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 don't, don't assume that we're through the woods already and that it's okay to go out and do these kind of things. Don't just... Mm-hmm assume that that's that's okay because people are getting vaccinated now that now it's safe because that's not true we still have thousands of new cases of covid every week well, and um, there's there's just a lot we don't know that being said uh they're they're doing it in conjunction with new york pop-ups the new york pop-ups initiative which has been doing some small events they're keeping the events unpublicized and unticketed just to make sure that the numbers stay small Yeah, which makes you wonder how you even find out about it. Like, I get it. You don't want to announce it ahead of time because you don't want there to suddenly be a rush, right? People who are starved Mm -hmm. for theater all going there at the same time. Does that just mean people who are in the general area are going to find out about it like half an hour beforehand? Like, it's, it's it's a weird way to go about this because in my mind, if I were living in New York and I knew that this was happening, I would be sorely tempted to just troll mm-hmm. Broadway all day, every day, <laughs> in the hopes that I was going to get I mean, to see something. People people do that for tickets all the time of sold-out shows. So. Right, but not, not usually when there's a <laughs> pandemic going on. Not usually when there's a pandemic. Now, it did raise an interesting, an interesting question, and I don't have the answer to this question, but the Actors' Equity Association is calling for arts workers to be prioritized for COVID vaccines mm-hmm. in light of this announcement. You know, I, restaurant workers are are being prioritized and they feel that actors could probably fall into that same category. I, I certainly think that not just actors, but the theatrical staff should all be uh, prioritized if, in fact, they mm-hmm. are to be expected to do this kind of stuff because they're going to be exposed to way more people. And um, yeah, I just think... If you are going to do this, you have to protect the people who are doing it. Otherwise, it is unethical. So I, I definitely have my misgivings. I will hope for the best. And uh, and I mean, I, I honestly, I also feel envy. I really miss live theater a lot. I don't miss it enough to put myself or others in danger. Well, glass half full, uh, you know. Maybe this is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel and you and I will get to go see Hades Town soon. Or possibly the Queen's Gambit the musical. Yeah. So it turns out <laughs> uh, Level Forward is going to be making a musical adaptation of The Queen's Gambit, the series that was on Netflix. Um 
it's interesting, you know, so the Queen's Gambit is not just about a woman who plays chess. It's about her journey as a person dealing with uh, family tragedy, dealing with substance abuse, dealing with her own identity, her concept of her identity, and all of these other things are wrapped up into it. Uh, it's funny because the story that we link to, which is from Slash Film, has a fairly incredulous take. Like, a, I can't <laughs> believe they're going to make a musical about this. I hope we don't see big dancing chess pieces. And I'm thinking, I someone has never seen the musical <laughs> Chess. There has been a musical about Chess. <laughs> It's fine. It was yes, done by the music of ABBA, or like two of the members of ABBA wrote the music for I, it. I was I was going to say, like, I put this in here specifically because when I read the article, I'm like, okay, so it's going to be just the musical. They'll just use ABBA music yeah. and ABBA music. Why say ABBA? They'll use ABBA music and it'll be something new we've never, ever seen before. But no, I know, I know you like chess, uh, the musical, and I know you like Queen's Gambit. And so uh, we'll see how how different this turns out to be. I'm sure different enough. I'm sure there are many fascinating stories in the chess well, world. Well, it would, it would have to be different in the sense that, you know, Queen's Gambit was a series that spanned several mm -hmm. episodes and you're not going to sit through an eight hour musical. So it I will mean, have to boil I don't know. I haven't down. been... I haven't been to one in a while. I might. I mean, to be uh, fair, like usually a song can cover like 10 years span of time. So really you can just cheat mm -hmm. that way. We have one yeah, other story true. and it is kind of, we're going to just spend a little time on it, but it's a crazy one, which is that Neopets, the virtual pet game that was like a flash based game. There's now like a crazy black market for Neopets. Yes, yes. Apparently, a while back, they changed up their art style. And a part of that meant that you could go and you could customize your little Neopets to your heart's delight using paintbrushes and things like that. Um, this is all from the article and not at all because I used to play Neopets with my old roommate. Uh, anyhow, um, <laughs> so what that meant was if you had an un, um, unedited, unconverted. You know, original, unconverted original art pet, that you had a rare pet. Right. And so people were finding out, you know, they wouldn't log on to Neopets for a while. One, because you get busy and it's Neopets. And two, because they have a lot of security issues. And they'd log back in and find out that their pets had been traded. Yeah. Uh, without their knowledge. Now, trading in Neopets is something that could be done, but it was usually, it like, the game is not set up to trade pets. You had to put them in a pound. You have to set it up so that... Uh, it, it was never something that was very um, well organized, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so mind boggling to me that this little flash game that I played 10 years ago has a black market that is making news today. Right. So it's, it, yeah, it is kind of, it blows my mind because it just shows that people will value what they value, even if that thing is not real. Like it's a, it's just a, I mean, it's just a, yeah. a drawing essentially is yep. what it is. But when we come back, Ariel and I are going to talk some more about spaceships because it turns out when we started chatting about that last week, we had other things to talk about that would have totally snowballed that whole episode. So we're going to snowball this yes. one. We'll do that after this quick break. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. 
In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. That was my spaceship. 
Yeah, I like your I like your spaceship sound effects. I like it a lot. Thank you. So last week we were, you know, it was my question that prompted this, right? I asked you what your favorite mm-hmm. uh, spaceship was, your fictional spaceship, favorite fictional spaceship. And we started talking about ships and how ships can sometimes be a character in a story. Sometimes literally they're characters in a story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes figuratively they end up being a character. Like it's they're they're treated with the same kind of respect that a character might be treated. And we just thought we'd talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, spaceships that are actually characters, you think about things like the TARDIS, which uh, eventually had an episode called the doctor's wife. The TARDIS is a sentient spaceship. Mm -hmm. It's a spaceship and a time travel machine. Um, after you asked me last week, I did look that up, and the consensus is that it is a it is a spaceship. Okay. Um, and you know Moya from Farscape, which is a Leviathan, and not the only instance of a Leviathan-like creature being a spaceship. Heck, if you go into the Discworld novels, you've got you could count the turtle that carries the world on its back as a spaceship. Sure. Um, Altuin of sorts. Yes. Um, and and so we started talking about sentient spaceships. But there are also sentient spaceships that aren't usually characters. Like if you look at the Battlestar Galactica remake spaceships. Those were sentient? Um, they were slightly organic. Huh. They were kind of like, yeah, so they would have guts. And I think there were some that were, you know, they're they're Cylons. So oh, okay. If, I, if a, I, I did not know any of this because, of course, I've only watched the good Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. It, if you look at it as a different story it's pretty good you know but but you know cylons are are you know it's that whole debate of of what is what is human and what is not which is a whole another bunny trail yeah um we can have our synthesoids our people to discussion in a later episode yes (laughs) but you know it it's interesting to me because when we started talking about it after the last episode we went from actual sentient ships to ships that had sentient characteristics like the enterprise. And I think that is one of the greatest examples of a ship that maybe doesn't have, maybe people will disagree with me, an actual consciousness to it. Mm -hmm. um, Still being a character with personality traits and, and being beloved and things like that. Well, and and so with the enterprise in particular, I mean, you did have the ship's computer, which kind of Mm -hmm. serves as as the voice of the ship. Although you could also argue that the computer and the ship are two things that are connected, but they are each independent of one another. You could argue that. Mm-hmm. But to me, the thing that made the Enterprise a character was the way the other characters in Star Trek referred to and regarded the Enterprise. Particularly, like if you're looking mm-hmm. at the original series, Scotty loved the Enterprise. Like he he was almost in love with the enterprise to the point where he got personally offended. If anyone made any sort of comment that could be perceived as a criticism toward the enterprise. And he would kind of poo poo other ships in the Federation's fleet as not being up to the caliber of the enterprise. Right? So for Mm -hmm. me, the enterprise was one of those things that was really special and uh, in Star Trek three, the original series, Star Trek three, the uh, the search for Spock spoiler alert for a movie that's older than most of you out there. But <laughs> in 
and Star Trek three, uh, the, the crew of the enterprise are forced to, uh, self-destruct. They, they, they set the enterprise to self-destruct in order to escape Klingons. Uh, they end up taking over mm-hmm. the Klingon ship. They trap the Klingons aboard the enterprise and they blow it up. Blowing up the enterprise was a huge deal. I mean, this was a ship that had an enormous amount of fan love toward it from the original television series and the first two of the motion pictures. You get to that moment. I still remember I was a kid when that movie came out, but I still remember people gasping and crying when the enterprise blew up because it was like a real character to them. And um, I, I might've mentioned this in the last week where it got to a point where with the next generation, I was personally offended when they started referring to the fact that, you know, they blew up a couple of those enterprises and Picard at one point even says there are a lot more letters left in the alphabet indicating that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they would build another enterprise. They would append a new letter at the end of its designation. And that to me was like, such a slap in the face. It's almost like saying, well, Riker, you're dead, but thank goodness we have four more of your clones in storage. So we'll just thaw another one out. So, I mean, I wouldn't put that past Star Trek, but anyhow, That's uh, true. I, I feel like I agree to me, the ship was a character, but it was almost to me, this, the enterprise getting destroyed almost felt less like, less like a character being killed because to me, I'm like, you can take the computer out of the Enterprise and you can put it into another Enterprise and it'll still be the same Enterprise, largely because, uh, you know, Majel Barrett was the voice of the Enterprise mm-hmm. um, and also many other characters in the Star Trek franchise, as well as Gene Roddenberry's wife. But um, it was a home to me. Mm-hmm. and That's another so good point. It, so it was, for me, it was destroying the connective tissue that kept all the characters I loved together. Mm. Um, and because they cared about it, I cared about it. So I guess it in the, in a way that makes it as a, a character. Yeah. That, that makes it. A well, character. and, and let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you have the same emotional attachment or not, but the millennium Falcon, you know, fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. The story goes that the original end of the Return of the Jedi was going to see the Millennium Falcon not escape the Death Star, that it was going to be destroyed and Lando Calrissian would die in the escape attempt as a result. And so I wonder, had that stayed in? Well, first of all, the (laughs) episode seven, eight, nine would be very different because there'd be no Millennium Falcon to be in them. But it makes me wonder what the audience reaction would have been. I imagine it would have been pretty dramatic to see. Because, again, like the Millennium Falcon also kind of comes across as sort of a character. It's a cantankerous Mm -hmm. ship that doesn't always work, especially when you really need it to. And like Han even is pleading with his ship in certain scenes where he's asking her to keep it together. It... uh, it really makes me wonder what the world would have been like, what that experience would have been like had they kept that original ending. Hmm. That is interesting for me personally. I, the millennium Falcon doesn't hit the same character chords mm-hmm. and maybe it's because there's not a family living on it. I mean, Chewie and not to say that Chewie and Han Solo aren't family because they totally are. And I know that later on other, 
other characters become caretakers of the Millennium Falcon, but it's not keeping an entire crew together that I'm worried about being displaced or not being separated. Uh, it doesn't have a consciousness to, there's no, it's not given a, a voice Mm -hmm. in, in the more literal terms, like the TARDIS is or Moya is, or, uh, you know, the Enterprise, the Enterprise literally has a voice, you know, but even, even the TARDIS was given a voice at one point in the doctor's wife, um, or its voices and thoughts are narrated through other characters. The same with Moya from Farscape, where it has a pilot that can speak her thoughts. T- to me, the Millennium Falcon is a really cool, beloved, like, nostalgic car. Okay, that's fair. I mean, like, to me, mm-hmm. it's weird to me because I can feel an emotional attachment to the Millennium Falcon. Like, I also think about when they showed previews for the the sequel trilogy and whenever Millennium Falcon showed up on screen that first time, people lost their minds. Like, oh, it's the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually one video in particular, a reaction video, where it's just it's a guy whose voice pitches up so high that I almost can't hear it anymore. <laughs> but uh, I think about that, and I think it is interesting because I don't feel any real attachment to any of the other spaceships from Star Wars. I think the TIE Interceptor is the cool one. I really like that design. But I don't have an emotional attachment to an X-Wing. You don't mourn or for the Y-wing. Death Star? No. Or Starkiller Base <laughs> or Death Star 2 or any of the other versions of the Death Star that there have been. But no, I, 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 I think, again, it's because the way the characters within the fiction of the film react to and treat the ship, that ends up encouraging within me that same kind of attachment. Mm-hmm. Um um, I guess it's also the journey that it it takes you as the viewer on in general, because, you know, people with their cars and their boats give them personalities. Sure. You named your car give Kermit. Them life. No, I did not name my car Kermit. <laughs> I named my car Michelangelo Wazowski. Oh, right. Thank you very I much. I named your car Kermit. Yes. Regardless, three great characters in one sadly cantankerous car now. Um <laughs> But, you know, I I will be sad when I get rid of Mikey, but not as sad as when the Enterprise blows up or. Eh. At least that first time, like, yeah, it, that's the other thing is that with when Picard sits there and says there are a lot more al- letters in the alphabet, that to me is a huge slap in the face uh, because it tells me that they don't really the characters don't really care about the ship. Mm -hmm. So if the characters don't care about the ship, why should I? And I don't like that. Like, I think I told you, I can't remember if I told you this on mic or not last week, but I never saw um, the Star Trek beyond film because the trailers made it look like it was another movie where they're going to blow up the enterprise again. And I was, I just had enough. I was like, I, I can't, I can't, it's like watching a good friend getting beaten up over and over. I can't do it. I remember when the trailers for that came out and I remember you saying that. I think it is a really good movie. I also, and maybe I'm misremembering, so uh, listeners, please forgive me if I am. I feel like their decision to put the Enterprise in peril was not one made lightly, Well, and if I call correctly. It certainly didn't hit me that way while I was watching. And a lot of the people I have listened to 
talk about that movie. Like, oddly enough, none of it ever got spoiled. I don't even know what the plot is of that movie for the most part. I know teeny tiny little bits, but not much. But the people who saw that movie, who talked about it, all seemed to really enjoy it. Even people who had been critical of the earlier Abrams films really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So it tells me that I need to watch it. I just haven't made that time yet. But um, And when you do watch it, you'll have to let us all know what you thought about it. I will. But before I can get to that, I will have to watch it. And before I can watch it, we also are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a very Star Trek-y mashup to talk about. So stay for that because it's going to be something. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, Ariel. So um, our mashup is Star Trek and something that we did not cover in our news segment. One of the news items we were considering talking about was the fact that there's going to be a Winnie the Pooh Lego set. It was one of the ones that was chosen from uh, kind of a crowdsourced approach to suggesting this should be the next themed Lego set. And Lego has Mm -hmm. agreed. So there's going to be a Winnie the Pooh hundred acre wood set. Um, So we're doing Star Trek and Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I know that this has been, this has been done before in various iterations with the Shaka when the walls fell uh, meme with Pooh and Piglet. Um, Okay. But (laughs) my least favorite next generation episode. Well, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful Winnie the Pooh meme and, and, you know, there are various other iterations of Pooh and Star Trek because when you have properties you love, you you tend to ship them together. That's, that's so, why the show exists. Yes. So um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go uh, first? I can go first. Um, uh, all right. <clears throat> Captain Picard has a problem. He is commanding the Starship Enterprise on a mission to the edge of the neutral zone to investigate a distress signal. Approaching the sector, the ship's sensors begin to pick up something strange. Captain, I am detecting photonic variations in the space-time continuum, says Data, probably, or something like that. Could we try to reverse the polarity, asks Riker. Reverse the polarity of what, asks Data. Riker looks embarrassed and leaves the bridge to go practice saxophone or something. Picard looks to Data. Analysis, Mr. Data. Before Data can answer, the ship is rocked. And we know that because everyone in camera frame jerks around a lot. Captain, says Data. It seems as though a wormhole is pulling us into it. Reverse course, full power, says Picard. Aye, aye, Captain, says Ensign Crusher. Shut up, Wesley, says Picard. Captain, there appears to be no effect, says Data. But before he can finish this thought, the ship enters through the wormhole and things go all wibbly-wobbly, but not timey-wimey. When everything goes normal, Data says, Captain, we are through. Coordinates, Mr. Data, says Picard. I am not certain, Captain. It appears as though we are in uncharted territory. Data's console beeps. I am detecting a large ship. On screen, says Picard. Should we raise shields, sir? Asks Riker. I thought you left to practice the saxophone, says Picard. (laughs) You forgot that the writer is a hack, says Riker. On the screen appears a massive (laughs) ship, larger than a Borg cube. It is golden in color and so large that it fills the screen. The crew can't even see the edges of it. Captain, we are being hailed, says Worf. On screen, says Picard. 
And then we see the bridge of another ship. Sitting in the captain's chair is a chubby little cubby all stuffed with bluff. I am Captain Winnie the Pooh of Starship Honeypot. It's a trap, says Worf. Not that kind of honeypot, says Winnie the Pooh. Please identify yourselves. I am Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise from the United Federation of Planets. Our ship just encountered an anomaly in our own part of the galaxy, and now we find ourselves here, says Picard. The figure on screen considers this for a moment. I understand, Captain Picard. We were on our way to investigate a distress signal when we picked up some... What did you call them? And then, on screen, a tiger-like critter shows up and says, A bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, photonic vibration of the space-time continuum. <laughs> Thank you, Science Officer Tigger. Picard says, We too were investigating a similar distress call, and our ship's sensors also picked up that thing you just said. It appears it was, in fact, a trap. I told you, shouts Worf. No, no, not, not that bit. Worf, the bit about the distress call was the trap, says Picard. Captain, says Data, I am detecting a pair of uncloaking ships off the starboard bow. I was going to say the same thing, says a voice off screen on Captain the Pooh's ship. Thank you, Officer Piglet, says Captain the Pooh. The screen shifts, and now we see two evil-looking purple ships appear, all hazy and wobbly and stuff. It's the heffalumps and woozles, says Winnie the Pooh. Captain Picard, you must escape. We will hold them off. I cannot leave you, says Picard. We red shirts have to stick together. What follows is a spectacular battle between the heffalump ship, the woozle ship, and the starship honeypot. The Enterprise gets in a few good hits too, and Riker even gets to reverse the polarity on something. Rather than running, Picard stands with his newfound ally, and together they turn back the attack. Afterward, Captain the Pooh thanks the rest, the crew of the Enterprise for their bravery and wishes them well. How could we ever repay you for the kindness you have shown us, says Captain Picard. Honey, yells Winnie the Pooh. And should you ever pass the sector again, look us up. Our base is in the Hundred Acre Wood. Acknowledged, says Picard. He turns to Ensign Crusher and says, set a course through the wormhole. Engage and shut up, Wesley. The end. <laughs> that was so happy. Such a change of pace from your normal mashups. I I, I considered having everyone die, <laughs> but but I thought I'd go easy this week. Listen, last week and this week, you've been uh, keeping it pretty positive. I'm proud of you. I always love your I always love your mashups though, whether they are light or dark side. Um, mine is pretty light too. So I just want to preface this with. Uh, I know that this is not exactly completely canon, but it's my mashup, so deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Loputus and the House at Cube Corners. After the Borg lost Jean-Luc from their collective, Jean-Luc Picard, the captain of the Enterprise, they began analyzing how he escaped and how they could keep such things from happening again. Scouring his database that they created when they assimilated him, they found something interesting. A book in a dark recess of Jean-Luc's memories an ancient book entitled Pooh and the Psychologists. A apparently, Picard had once read this book as a part of his ancient philosophies class, and through this ancient text, the Borg developed an algorithm, the Christopher Robin algorithm, to analyze and pinpoint human psyche anomalies such as OCD, ADHD, anxiety, and the such, and then correct any possible mental diversions before they ever happened. However, what they didn't know was that this was a virus planted in Jean-Luc's brain to bring them down. And soon they had to know everything they could about Pooh and his corners. 
And that's when the Borg's Christopher Robin algorithm pinpointed their quest for perfectionism as a glitch in their own system. The more they tried to fix this glitch in an effort to become perfect, the less they cared about their perfection and in turn about assimilation. Until finally, by accident, they had programmed, that's the right word, out all seemingly uncaring thoughts from their hive mind and shaped themselves into the classic beloved and loving children's characters. And that is how the Borg assimilated themselves into caring for the galaxy. Now intelligent life from all over goes to the house at Cube Corners to work on their problems and become better people. See, this is, this is funny because I already, already suspected that Borg were just a bunch of poo heads. They, I mean, they are. <laughs> so you've got this. Yours is even sweeter than mine was. Mine is just silly. I, I want it. So one of my initial reactions, which would have been much darker, was the fact that uh, Winnie the Pooh's shirt, the Disney version of Winnie the Pooh, his shirt is red. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it made me want to do a Star Trek original series crossover because we know what happens to red shirts in the original series. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're cannon fodder. <laughs> I, um, I had a whole bunch of ideas of the way I wanted this to go. And then I just thought about how Star Trek deals with a lot of like emotional and psychological and, and psychology and things like that mm-hmm. um, in, in an effort to, to create a better universe. Uh, and there is this book, Pooh and the Psychologists, and, and you know, the Tao Shu sure. and and like disorders in in the Winnie the Pooh characters. There are all of these studies on how um like Piglet has anxiety and and Eeyore has depression. Uh, Eeyore has depression and Pooh has an eating disorder. And so it, it, all of these studies on how it's kind of a, a way of people to learn how to cope with these struggles that they're going on in a, in a super like child friendly way. Yeah. Well, and it's also, and, it's also just, it's challenging to write uh, a mashup of Pooh that's going to have crazy amounts of conflict in it because that's not really what Winnie the Pooh is about, right? It's about friendship and mm-hmm. like, the, yeah, there are little adventures and little adversities that the characters have to go through, but there's not a ton of conflict. Although you could argue Gene Roddenberry wanted the same thing with Star Trek. He wanted all conflict to become external conflict because he wanted the characters on the starship to have reached a level of compatibility where there was never any conflict between crewmates. It was something that a lot of Mm -hmm. the writers for Star Trek actually struggled with because how do you keep a show interesting if everyone always gets along together just fine? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I I feel like they did a pretty good job with it. You know, you can, because you have to relate to media to to enjoy it, and and I feel like they made the characters relatable in their faults. Well, and and eventually after um, Roddenberry's passing, there was a little bit more of a of a, a relaxed take on that, so you could have at least some temporary. Uh, tension mm-hmm. between characters. It might not be something yeah. that like you wouldn't have two characters who just hate each other's guts. That still didn't happen, but you might have characters who yeah. occasionally have issues working with one another. So it did evolve eventually on, on the show. Well, I think mm-hmm. that that was a very sweet way to end this episode. And 
if Me people too. want to get in touch with us, maybe give us their suggestions for Star Trek and Winnie the Pooh crossover, or maybe other crossovers we should do, or just maybe a, a topic we should talk about. How would they get in touch with us, Ariel? Well, they could reach out to us via our email, which is lnc at iheartmedia.com. Mm-hmm. They could also uh, contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. On Twitter, we're lnc underscore podcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are Large Nerdron Collider. Um, as I said before, you can go to our website and check out this episode and all of our show notes at www.largenerdroncollider.com. And hey, if you like the show, please make sure you subscribe and tell your friends and have them subscribe too, because we really enjoy when you reach out and talk to us and we'll talk right back. Yes. Uh, bigger the conversation, the better. And if you don't do it, then they won't let us do the show anymore and it'll be your fault. Aw, that's sad. Well, uh... I'd rather end this on a high note. So uh, <laughs> until next time, I am Ariel almost made Tigger a Klingon Kasten. And I am Jonathan. I was only kidding. I love all of you. And I greatly appreciate every single listener we have. Strictly. <laughs>
good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart.